0: Hello and thank you for joining Haaretz Weekly. With you in studio, Amir Tibon. On today's episode, the Omicron variant is upon us. Israel thought that it was already done with COVID, but the new variant was found here last week. How will the vaccines hold the line? And what will new medications against COVID do with the new variant? We'll hear about all that from an expert. And also later on the episode, hear a segment from a Haaretz exclusive briefing with Israel's top public health official. Our guest today is Dr. Oren Kobler, a virologist at the Department of Clinical Microbiology and Immunology at Tel Aviv University. Dr. Kobler, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. So let's talk, first of all, about this scary development that everyone here in Israel woke up to on Friday morning. The new frightening variant from South Africa is now here in Israel. What can you tell us about this story that has been now driving the entire world Uh, crazy in the last 48 hours, really.
1: Yes. So we actually were taken by surprise from this variant. This variant has many mutations in the sequence, and especially in the spike, which is the most important protein because we vaccinate against it. Even more dramatically, it's in the RDB, the receptor binding domain
0: here you have to slow for a second and explain because i'm sure you know somewhere between 90 to 99% of the listeners don't know what that actually means
1: okay so the spike protein is the protein that is binding to the ace receptor on the cells allowing the virus to enter the cell and the area in the spike that binds is called the rdb the receptor binding domain and that's the area that most of the antibodies that we develop against the virus, the neutralizing antibodies, bind this site. Mm-hmm. Now, in most variants we have seen before, we have seen two to three mutations in the RDB region.
0: Including, for example, the Delta variant that took over the world in the summer?
1: Including the Delta, including the Beta, which evaded best the immune system as far as we know so far and now we have 15. Wow, that's quite a jump. That's quite a jump. And we haven't seen it developing. So there are a few ideas where it came from, which I can talk about in a moment, but it took us by surprise that we have found this variant with all these mutations.
0: What does it mean that it has 15 of these mutations versus the two or three of the previous variants? Does it necessarily make it more dangerous? more harmful to our body, or is that not related at all to the discussion?
1: So we don't know. It's probably changing the binding affinity of the virus to the cells and probably also have some kind of immune evasion level in some way. So
0: so it means that this new variant can perhaps be more efficient in evading the vaccines?
1: Maybe. We don't know that yet. On the other end, it may be more infectious, like the Delta variant, which which was more infectious and not evading the immune system at all. So, it can be go both way, and it actually can be a variant that has no pathogenic effect. It doesn't cause any harm, but is infecting much better. So, all the scale could be happening. We don't know that yet. It will take time until we know it
0: so no panic right now is what you're saying
1: i'm saying we should follow it okay this is probably the biggest change we have seen so far in uh, coronaviruses in In the
0: two years since the covid hit our shores this is the biggest change that we've witnessed so far through all the other events that our listeners are probably now running through their mind of the last two years
1: yes this is the most the biggest change how it affects the virus and how it will affect our immune system, we still don't know. So we should look at it and be careful, but not panic.
0: Here in Israel, the government's strategy against COVID for the past year has been all about vaccines, and since the summer, especially the boosters, which really helped bring down the Delta wave. How do you think these vaccines, including the boosters, will withstand this new
1: variant? So I think it's likely that the vaccine will work against this variant. Because we have many arms of the immune system, we have the neutralizing antibodies, we have the non-neutralizing antibodies, and we have the T-cells. This probably will hit the hardest in the neutralizing antibodies, but will not affect that much the two other arms of the immune system. And therefore, even... If people will get infected after they are vaccinated, they are unlikely to become very sick.
0: So that sounds like good news. And it reminds us a bit of, again, the de- debate about the uh, Delta variant here in Israel, where we saw that there was waning immunity for old vaccines. But once people got the booster, even if they caught the Delta wave, in most cases, they had a more light disease.
1: Right. I think the wave in Israel, the fourth wave, was mostly because of waning of the immunity and not because of the Delta as much. Mm-hmm. And now we are in a good shape in most of the people who took the boosters. The problem is we have one million people who haven't taken the booster yet and we should get to them.
0: One million who had two doses and did not get the third one. And this is separate from... Another segment of the population who have no vaccination at all.
1: Yes, of course. And the kids that couldn't get until now and now are getting quite slowly because the parents are a little bit afraid from the vaccines instead of being afraid of the virus.
0: And maybe now with all the headlines about the new variant, people will pick up the vaccination rate a bit when it comes to children. Do you strongly recommend to vaccinate kids, 5 to 11 year old, against coronavirus?
1: Yes, I strongly recommend I vaccinated my own child. Last week? Last week.
0: Mm -hmm. What was the reaction?
1: She was quite happy. She was waiting for it because she wants her life back. And she doesn't want to go into... uh, Isolation. Isolation. quarantine. Yeah. So... She was quite happy.
0: And and why do you recommend it? It's from a place of protecting the ge- kids from COVID. It's from a place of responsibility for a broader society. W- why do you say it's a strong recommendation coming from you?
1: So the first thing is that I think we need to protect the kids, both from uh, long COVID and from the PIMS. The other thing is that as a virologist, I know that viruses can cause long-term effect that will appear after years. Vaccine, in all the history of vaccine that we have already, 200 years of history, never did we see anything that happens weeks after the vaccine was given. So, in my point of view, I'm much more afraid what will happen next in the kids that got infected and not in the kids that got vaccinated. And that's why I highly recommend the vaccines.
0: Israel decided, following the appearance of this new variant, to shut down the airport to foreigners, basically almost lock down the country. Do you think it's a correct reaction, overreaction? How do you look at it?
1: I think we should have done it before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting thought. The idea is that everyone who comes to Israel needs to be quarantined for a week.
0: Which is not the policy right now.
1: Which is not the policy right now but should have been the policy from the beginning. Wait a week, under quarantine, wherever you want to put... In your hotel, in your Airbnb. Whatever. Just quarantine for a week, do two tests in that week, and then you're free to go, and we wouldn't have the third wave, we wouldn't have the fourth wave, and probably the fifth wave that is coming.
0: And you think this is going to be a fifth wave now?
1: I hope not, but... It seems like it's starting.
0: Why it seems like it's starting? I mean, first of all, did you think it was starting even before we saw the new variant? Because there was a trend that we saw in the last two weeks of the numbers going up, especially among children, right?
1: Right. And if we'll vaccinate the kids quick enough, probably we can avoid this fifth wave. But if we are not going to do that, and it seems that many parents are hesitating, then it's likely that we will have the fifth wave
0: and in this wave do you anticipate that it will also impact people who had two doses of the vaccine and not the booster where what are we i mean do do you feel they are they might feel they are protected but aren't really at
1: the moment so likely that in the group age of 40 and below or 50 and below most people who had the two vaccines will be safe from Severe disease. Severe disease, but not from getting the uh, virus and infecting others. And that will eventually cause the older population to get more and more infected and then more and more sick because they are not protected enough by the two doses.
0: Now, apart from the specific chain of events here that... Variant arrived on Friday morning and the first identified person who had it in Israel was a foreign worker from Malawi. You were not surprised by the broader arc of the story, right? That there is a variant from a third world country that is now appending the entire world. I watched an interview with you a few months ago where you were warning about this exact scenario.
1: Yes. So virus, when they replicate, they are mutating all the time. They change. They change. And when they do that, They accumulate a lot of changes until you have a new variant. And if you allow them to replicate without stopping them at all, then you will get more and more variants. And what we see is that many countries in the world don't get the vaccines, either because they don't have money to buy them, or they don't have the infrastructure to deliver them to their people.
0: So right now, the countries that are most vaccinated are mostly the more uh, rich countries of the world. Yes. And then in the third world, in you know vast countries in Africa, Asia, the vaccine rates are extremely low.
1: We are talking about rich countries that already have more vaccine doses given than population. About one hundred and fifty to. To every 100 people.
0: You look at the United States and Israel, two countries where you already have a pretty robust booster campaign. You have people who already received three shots versus people who haven't received even one.
1: Yes, we are talking in some countries in Africa, 2%. This means not even the entire medical staff of the country is vaccinated. Not to talk about the other people there
0: and this creates a fertile ground you're saying for variants and mutations and all of these scary things that then embark on our shores
1: yes we need to remember that until everybody is safe no one is safe we need to slow down the replication of the virus everywhere in the world in order to prevent the emergence of new variants
0: For one's personal safety, I think we both agree that the boosters were the best thing that could happen. And, you know, I I got mine and everyone in my family, and I assume the same for you. But if we look at this as a global pandemic, wouldn't it make more sense to send these vaccines that people in America and Israel and other countries got as a third shot to, first of all, begin vaccinating people elsewhere?
1: So, surprisingly, I would say that South Africa asked not to send their more vaccines because they have a lot of vaccines and they don't have the people to deliver them or the people who are agreeing to take them. So we need to do more than just send the vaccine there. We need to have stuff that can give them and we need some kind of way to explain to the people why it's essential that they will take it.
0: Yeah, so you're saying it's not necessarily an issue of who gets the vaccine, but it's also the means to distribute it and the willingness of the population to to take it. And and this reminds me of the story we had here in Israel over the summer with the swap with the Palestinian Authority of vaccines that uh, then didn't work out. And I think those vaccines eventually went to South Korea. And you see that there's also a lot of times political considerations as well in whether or not people get the vaccines.
1: Yes, it's not only to... Bring the vaccines. You need to bring them to the shoulder of the people. Otherwise, they have no effect.
0: Yeah, to bring to the airport is one thing, but to bring it actually into the arms is completely, completely different.
1: Thing. And you can see it even the, in the U.S. In the U.S. you have states that the vaccination rate is really low because people are not willing to take the vaccines. So we need to vaccinate everyone. We need to bring back the trust in science. That's the most important thing to do now. And you can see it all over the place. You can see countries like Britain that have many, many cases, but much less deaths than the first and second wave that you didn't have the vaccines. The vaccines work really, really, really good, and we had them in no time because science is such And. Wonderful example of how science is...
0: I'm I'm sorry for the listeners that they can't see the smile on your face right now when you begin to talk about the uh, achievements of science. Let me ask you about another uh, scientific breakthrough, which is the medications. How much of a game changer are these in your view? And do you think they will have an impact with this new variant now?
1: The good thing about medications is that they probably are not as subjected to variants as the vaccines.
0: Yeah, the vaccines were manufactured with one specific variant at the time in thought, and now they have to be updated maybe, whereas the medication you're saying is more generally fit to COVID. On
1: general, yes. The problem with medication is that once you start using them, you will get resistant to the medication. That's for sure. Unless you give them in a cocktail, like you give the AIDS medication or the uh, hepatitis C medication, that you give two or three together to prevent the emergence of resistance. Otherwise, you will get resistance really quick.
0: And this will happen here as well, assume?
1: I'm sure. But it will take time. So you can give it for a year or something like that against all the variants we have, but eventually you will gain resistance. It's, if not will... A lo-
0: it's not a long-term solution, is what you're saying. No. Speaking, again, of the medications, one thing you keep reading about them is that they are most effective if you get them at an early stage of the diagnosis. But the problem is a lot of people don't realize they have COVID until they get really sick. So is there a way to get over that uh, obstacle?
1: Testing, 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 and again, testing. And that's the main way. And Do you the- think
0: Israel does enough testing today or not?
1: Israel is doing enough testing. Israel is probably one of the best countries in testing. And we are actually, when we looked on serology, we didn't find new cases. Th- this is
0: what happened in the beginning of the school year when there was a yes. the serological test. And, and it was a bit, in, I don't know, surprising, disappointing to see that not as many people had COVID antibodies as we expected.
1: Well... We expected. Yes. yes. (laughs) Some of us expected that most of the cases we already saw. And that was what we found. And that's not surprising because we are doing a lot of testing. And testing is the way. The problem is that people who are offered these uh, drugs are not taking them because they think this is a very easy disease. In the first week, it's a flu-like symptoms and that's it. In the second week, when you have trouble breathing, then it's too late for you to get these... uh, They're
0: not going to help the medication at that point.
1: They are not going to help. Not the medication, not the monoclonal antibodies. Also, in the first week, they are really good. In the second week, it's too late now. And people need to learn that and understand that they have to treat before they get much worse. So if
0: you're listening to us and you have COVID or know someone who have COVID or, and you know, we hope not, but get it in the future, the doctor's order here is to go for the medication early, not to wait for the second week when the symptoms get worse.
1: Yes, that's the most important. And we saw it in Israel that people refused to get the uh, monoclonals. And I heard it in other countries as well, because the people who are not vaccinated don't trust the science anyway. So... They think it's a very easy disease, and they are not willing to get any help until they really suffer.
0: Dr. Oren Kobiler from Tel Aviv University, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Up next, after the break, a segment from an exclusive Haaretz briefing that we aired last week with Dr. Sharon el Ray Price, Israel's top public health official. Last week, Haaretz hosted Dr. Sharon al roi Price, Israel's top public health official, who has been at the front of the country's war against COVID for the last two years. The full briefing is available on haaretz.com. Now we will hear 10 minutes from the conversation with her, mostly dedicated to the issue of child vaccinations, in which Israel is leading the world in recent weeks. Do you think we are expecting now a situation where you will get a COVID shot, you know, another booster every six or 12 months, like you get your flu shot every winter? Is this the reality we are expecting?
2: That's an excellent question. It's like the million dollar question that I don't have the answer to. Uh, we don't know that yet. What I can say from preliminary uh, lab tests that we're doing in our central lab in Tel um is that we are seeing that the um, antibodies that are created after the booster are stronger, are better, their quality is better compared to uh, the the antibodies that uh, um, developed after the, the second shot. So I'm hopeful that this will mean that we'll have higher protection for a longer period of time, even if the number of antibodies will drop, which is usually the case in any vaccine, but their uh, quality will be so good that the protection will uh, remain longer, but we don't know that yet. This is a new virus, this is a a new vaccine, and and we don't really know how long. Uh, We'll need to continue to monitor this exactly as we did here, and exactly as before, Israel will be the first, if there will ever be a waning again effect, we'll have to monitor and we'll have to see it first.
0: Yeah, one of the challenges I think in the uh, debate on this issue is that when you ask a scientist or health experts uh, questions, a lot of times you will get an answer that is honest, which is, we still are waiting for data, we still have to understand, whereas sometimes people on the other side have a very, very definitive answer, even if it's uh, not based on the same level of uh, science. I want to move on to another issue that's very interesting to many of our readers and viewers, which is the child vaccination campaign here in Israel. Why is it important for Israel, after we went through the, the booster, campaign in the summer to now expand the vaccination to children between 5 and 11?
2: I would start by saying that it's not important for Israel. It's important for the kids. It's not. We're not vaccinating the kids to control the pandemic. I just came back from vaccinating my two uh, younger ones, the older ones, the two older ones are already vaccinated, one uh, One of them with a booster already, um, and the, the other one is about to have their booster. Uh, but the two younger ones, we were actually waiting to be able to vaccinate them and protect them. I think there is a lot of sort of fake news that COVID-19 is not a child, not a childhood uh, disease. It is very true that COVID-19 is uh, more harmful for adults than for kids. That's very true. Uh, the risk of um, of a, a child to, in their active disease uh, go into ICU is low. Most of the kids will go through this uh, disease uh, being asymptomatic or with mild symptoms Uh, out of more than half a million kids who have been confirmed in Israel since the beginning of the pandemic. uh, We had over 200 cases that were severe and critically ill and 11 uh, deaths. Uh, Most of them with kids that had Risk factors. One of them uh, died that did not have a risk factor. Uh, But really, the proportion is more than half a million uh, were confirmed cases, and only 200 had severe and critically ill uh, disease. But the thing is, COVID 19 is not just the disease of the acute phase. So, after the acute phase, there is four to six weeks after, there is the risk of PIMS, uh, which is the multi inflammatory. Uh, reaction um, that happens. And that happens usually in kids who are healthy. And that happens and causes 60 to 70% of them going to the ICU and with a mortality of one to 2%. So in Israel, we had over 200 cases of PIMS and two mortality, one definite and one a suspected mortality of, uh, of kids who were completely healthy. And so I would not want my child to be at that risk. And then even if you go through the the PIMS and nothing happens, um, there is some percentage and we can argue what percentage it is that has long COVID. Uh, We've seen this in adults. In adults, um, the the research is between 10 to 30% of adults that continue to suffer from symptoms like difficulty uh, in memory and difficulty in um, active, being active, shortness of breath, uh, tiredness, uh, problems with um, with joints, all sorts of symptoms. With kids, uh, there is more and more research coming out to show that th- this uh, also is a phenomenon of kids. In Israel, what we've done is a is a telephone research, a telephone um, research um, with parents. Uh, we called nearly 14,000 parents uh, of recovered kids. And we looked across Israel um, from the general population, from the Arab population, from uh, the Orthodox Jews population, different age groups, different times from the time that they recovered. So between one to three months, three to six months, and over six months. And what we've seen is that in the younger age groups, there there is roughly 2% of kids who have continued symptoms. And in the older age groups, over 12, there is 4.6% of kids who continue to have symptoms. So yeah. even if, if we, we say it's not that amount, mm-hmm. um, it's overestimating. Even if we say it's 1% of kids who are not able to do active, being active, physically active like before, having problem with memory, having problem with concentration.
0: Nobody wants it to be in your And it's
2: 1%. And it's 1% over over half a million of kids. It's 5,000 kids in Israel. And so that... Is a huge thing that you want your kid to be healthy. We, we don't know um, viral infections that continue even after six months to, con- to to continue with with symptoms like long COVID. So this is something uh, unusual and very specific for COVID. Um, and I think that the scare for me, and, and I'm an infectious disease doc doc. The, this the scare for me is what will happen ten years from now. Hmm. I don't know. There are there are viruses the 10 years and 20 years after uh, asymptomatic infection can cause horrible disease, um, meningitis, uh, being infertile, um, all sorts of problems in, in, uh, in the function of the brain, encephalitis, um, cancer. Um, we know about HIV coming in and what it happens with the immune system. So we don't know enough about COVID to say, oh, this is nothing. The, the kids go through this asymptomatic. Yes, the acute phase for most of the kids will go asymptomatic. But you have other, um, more long effects, and even a, a very big question mark about what will happen ten and twenty years from now. And this is why I think that the um, this disease is not something to, you know, disregard. It's it's uh, it's something that uh, really can impact the health of our kids. And this is why we need to immunize them. It's not to break down uh, the, the pandemic in Israel. It will help that too. But, but the main reason to, uh, to immunize kids is not to protect uh, grandparents, is to protect them from something that could be, uh, could, can affect their health.
0: And this was tour de force in uh, in favor of child vaccination. I, I do want, if you can add a few sentences about the last part, which is what we're seeing in the countrywide numbers right now, how many of it is of the rise right now is being driven by children in the unvaccinated age groups.
2: Yeah. So um, depending on the day between uh, roughly 60% of the confirmed cases, there are days that it comes to 70% are uh, are kids that are not immunized. So um, it has become in our fourth wave, the, the wave of the, the non-vaccinated. And since the non-vaccinated are mostly kids, this is now what we're seeing. We're seeing uh, infection among kids, not just kids, also adults that are not vaccinated. So it's not the wave of the kids. I don't want this uh, to be the, the, the headline, uh, but, but it is uh, part of the picture. And if at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, what we saw is a proportion compared to the proportion in the population. So if kids in Israel are about a third of the population at the beginning, before we had vaccination, there were about a third of the confirmed cases. Now they're getting to 60 and 70 percent because the vaccine is protecting uh, the other groups who are vaccinated.
0: Thank you. And uh, goodbye now. Happy from holidays. The okay, and that's it from the interview with Dr. Sharon Elray Price, which you can find on haaretz.com to hear her also discuss the booster shots, the issue of waning immunity, and also the harassments that she personally has faced from anti-vaccine activists in Israel. And that is also the end of our episode. Thank you very much to Yonatan Manievich, who was our producer today. And to you listeners, we'll be back again on Friday with another episode of Haaretz Weekend. Until our next meeting, Shalom from Tel Aviv.